0: The belief that God became man and dwells among us in Jesus Christ is at the very heart of Orthodox Christian life and worship. Orthodox worship, therefore, involves the whole person, heart, mind, body, and soul. In our services of worship, Christians pray and sing in liturgies that are not of this world. Ancient Faith Radio now presents Singing the Triumphal Hymn with Father John Finley, exploring the Orthodox faith, through music and liturgy. Father John is a composer and musician and is with the Missions and Evangelism Department of the Antiochian Orthodox Church. Here's Father John.
1: Last time we discussed the role of the clergy and the laity in the church, their relationship to each other. We discussed the liturgical vestments that the priest and bishop and deacon put on, their meanings and the various liturgical colors. Today, let's take a look specifically at the preparation service, because after the priest comes and says his initial prayers and puts his vestments on, then he prepares the bread and the wine for Holy Communion. By now, we should be beginning to see that everything we do or say in liturgical worship revealed something about God and his kingdom and actually becomes a means of participating in God and his kingdom. Having discussed the various elements which make up our liturgical worship, we're now ready to examine the general order and structure of the Divine Liturgy itself. We begin with an examination of the preparation service, not because it forms a part of the body of the liturgy itself, but because it reveals the fullness of the priesthood and the fullness of our offering to God. The preparation is done by the clergy, and the vestments which are worn reveal the function of the clergy in relation to the whole people of God. As each vestment is put on, as we discussed last time, a verse from Scripture is quoted which reveals the meaning of the vestment and its function of the clergyman wearing it. After vesting, the holy gifts are prepared, and the purpose of this preparation is to manifest that the whole church lies on the patent which is to be offered to God. This realization becomes particularly meaningful in the entrance with the holy gifts, when we, as members of the body of Christ, having been united to Him in baptism, join with Him together in offering the once-for-all sacrifice, and enter into the heavenly Holy of Holies in worship and adoration. The bread used for the Divine Liturgy is called the prosphora, meaning offering, or gift, or sacrifice. Before baking, the bread is stamped with a special seal manifesting the whole church, the body of Christ. During the preparation, the bread is ceremonially cut along various lines of the seal and placed on a paten, which is a plate, as prayers are offered and commemorations are made. Father Alexander says the rite of preparation in its present form does not belong to the body of the liturgy since it is performed before the service and by the clergy alone. In the ancient church, however, its place was just before the procession of the offertory, that is, the great entrance where it is still preserved at the Pontifical Liturgy, that is, the Hierarchical Liturgy, when the bishop celebrates. It consists of the symbolic disposition of the Eucharistic bread on the paten, the pouring of wine and the chalice, and the commemoration of all the orders of saints together with the living and the departed members of the church. Its purpose is to manifest that the whole church is represented on the paten or discos with Christ, the Lamb of God, at its center. So let's take a look a little bit. It would really be nice if we had details, if I could show this to you in person, but I'll try to give a little bit more of a specific description of what is done. The large square in the center of this seal is called the Lamb and it's stamped with the letters I-S-X-S-N-I-K-A Now, when we look at it these are capital letters in the Greek and the capital Sigma looks kind of like a capital C in the English language and so we oftentimes hear people refer to this seal as I-C-X-C-N-I-K-A but it's really I S X S Yoda Ki Sigma, Nika, Jesus Christ, Conquers, an abbreviation of this phrase. This stamp corresponds to the sign that Constantine the Great saw in the heavens—a flaming cross bearing the inscription, "In this sign you shall conquer." To the right of the Lamb. But when we're looking at it, it's to the left from our perspective. But it's like we're looking at a picture, or looking in a mirror, or looking at an icon. We're actually making an icon here. And so we place it to the right of the lamb, to the lamb's right, but left from our perspective. A triangular particle is placed in honor and memory of the Virgin Mary, Mother of God, revealing her as the Queen of Heaven at the right hand of the Son of God. You remember the verse from the Psalms. The Queen sat at thy right hand, dressed in garments of gold and many colors. And we say this verse when we place this triangular particle to the right of the Lamb. To the left of the Lamb, nine small triangular pieces are placed in honor and memory of the angelic host, the holy prophets of the Old Covenant, the apostles, the great ecumenical fathers and teachers and bishops, the holy martyrs, the God-bearing fathers and ascetical monastics, the holy physicians, the ancestors of Christ our Lord and St. John Chrysostom, whose liturgy we celebrate. And if we're celebrating another liturgy, like the Divine Liturgy of St. Basil the Great, then we commemorate St. Basil the Great. Ancestors of Christ. Did that catch your ear? <laughs> Who are the ancestors of Christ? <laughs> Some of the translations say the grandparents of God. Wow. Wow. It's one thing to struggle and come to grips with this whole issue that we don't simply say that the Virgin Mary is the mother of Christ, but we say mother of God, that it was God who was in her womb, that it was God who became a man, God with us. So she's mother of God, not mother of God in his divine nature, but mother of God in his human nature, but nevertheless, the mother of this one and the same person. Well, if Jesus has a mother, does that mean he has a grandmother and grandfather? Grandma and grandpa. You know, when I hear those words, Joachim and Anna, grandma and grandpa, It helps me to understand that God really did become a man. He became a man just like you and me, except without sin. The grandparents of God. Below the lamb, the small particles are placed in behalf of fellow clergy, all our brethren, and below them, small particles are placed for our departed loved ones and friends. The paten and the chalice are then censed with the censer, covered and offered to God, remembering those who offered it and those for whom it is offered. Again, the main point of all of this is to manifest that the whole church, both living and departed, both of the old covenant and of the new, is united in Christ in our offering to God. With this understanding of the depth of our communion, not only with God, but with all the saints of old, the angels, and all our brethren in Christ, we cannot help but come away with a renewed vision of the body of Christ, the church. If I could share just a brief story of my First encounter with this service, serving as a deacon in the church. I was a part of the Evangelical Orthodox Church, and it was during the early and mid 80s that we began to incorporate these various elements of the Divine Liturgy of St. John Chrysostom. And of course, this was a number of years before. We were received into canonical union with the One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church through Metropolitan Philip and the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America. Yet, we felt compelled and were being exposed to these various elements and wanted to incorporate them the best we could and to the best of our understanding. It was late in 1984. We at St. Athanasius Orthodox Church in Goleta, California, had decided that we were going to do our best to institute the full text of the Divine Liturgy of St. John Chrysostom on Christmas Eve of that year. Father Richard Ballou, who was the pastor of the church at that time, had asked me to make preparations to do the preparation service and that we were going to practice this and learn it and try to understand it and figure out how it was supposed to be done. You know, not growing up in the church and not observing these things, sometimes we'd pick up these books and the rubrics, they were confusing to us. And we were doing things with a good heart and a good intent, but we didn't always do them like other people have always, <laughs> have always done them. Nevertheless, we got some bread together with the stamp and prepared a large plate and a big star covers to go over the bread and what we call a spear. It's a liturgical spear that you use to cut the bread. And I only saw Father Richard cry two times in my life. Once was when his good friend Jim Easby died in our parish. I'm not sure, but I think it may have been the first funeral we ever performed at St. Athanasius Church. And it really got him. The second time was as he began to cut the bread. And as the lamb, the center fixture with the abbreviations on it, jesus christ conquers is excess as he began to cut he said the verses that we say when we make the four main cuts along the right side as a sheep he was led to the slaughter and then over on the left as a spotless lamb before his shears, is silent so he did not open his mouth across the top. In his humiliation, his justice was denied him. And as he cut along the bottom, and who can declare his generation? He took a step back. The spear dropped to the floor. He hung his head. And he said, I can't do this. I believe it was because he loved Jesus Christ so much. I believe it's because this service and doing it for the first time had such a profound impact on his heart and on his mind. I think it brought to the fore in both of us standing there the reality That we really do partake of the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. That this is not a symbol only. This is not just a representation. But this is the very life of God offered to the Father once and for all and returned to us as the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. I'll never forget that moment. And now that Father Richard has departed this life, I feel like he's standing there with me every time I do this service, saying, don't forget, this is real.
0: And that was Father John Finley. With singing the triumphal hymn, exploring the Orthodox faith through music and liturgy. If you would like to write Father John, his email is singing at ancientfaith.com. That's singing at ancientfaith.com. This is the listener supported presentation of Ancient Faith Radio.